episode of the Revis and Butthead podcast. This episode will kick off our brand new mini-series where we review each position group on both the offense and the defense. On offense, we will cover the quarterbacks, skill positions, and offensive line. Now on the other side of the ball, we will cover the defensive line, linebacking unit, and the secondary. This first episode in the position review mini-series will cover all things quarterback-related. Without further ado, let's make like a burrito and roll right into the podcast. My God. Hussein, you mentioned this recent Jets legend in the previous podcasts. So I guess I'll just have to allow you to start discussing what you saw from Mike White this year. I think the word you're looking for is Mike Goat White. <laughs> I am the biggest Mike White stan on the planet. I'm actually, because of him, I'm a Western Kentucky stan. But Fair. Realistically, that one game from Mike White might just be like the high for the rest of our lives because no one saw it coming and no one expected it to happen. Um, realistically, the Bengals didn't adjust and let him throw dump offs to the running backs in route to 400 yards, but he had 400 yards, so you can't really say much about that. The Bills didn't let him do that, and he got picked off four times. That should tell you all you need to know about Mike White. I will say that that first quarter of the Indy game, I, it was Thursday night, and I was watching my friends in the Buffalo Wild Wings, and this was just like four days like after the Cincy game, so all the Mike White hype is at a high. And he threw the touchdown to Elijah Moore, and I just lost it. And then he left the rest of the game with that nerve injury, and I don't think I've ever been that sad in a public place in my entire life. But then we got to witness Josh Johnson just go off too. No, see, I don't care because I bet the Jets like plus 11 – and they almost backdoor covered. And um, they had they were down, they lost by 14. And they had the ball at the seven-yard line with like two minutes left. And Josh Johnson got picked off. It was almost the most impressive backdoor cover in like NFL history. I was so upset. Hussein, for, for all our listeners that don't really understand gambling, what does it mean to backdoor cover? Uh, it's like, so the Jets were plus 14. That game against Indy on Thursday night, plus 14 means you either win outright or you lose by 14 or less. And they were trailing by like 28 most of that game. And they actually, sorry, they were plus 11, not plus 14. They were down 14 and they were plus 11. So they needed a t- uh, three more points to cover the spread. And Josh Johnson got him inside the 10 and then threw a pick and they lost by 14. So they did not cover the plus 11 spread, which means I lost the bet. I think it's more entertaining when you, when you lose the bet, saying. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I, th- I think it's very entertaining when you, when you lose money. The last time I was that heartbroken on a bet was the National Anthem in the Super Bowl this year, but I'm not getting into that. Oh, yes. The classic over-under on the National Anthem. Did, did you bet, did you bet he- heads for the, for the coin toss? I didn't bet the coin toss, actually, because me and my friends, when we, went, we went really big on betting a, um, a certain time frame for the National Anthem. We bet 91 to 100 seconds, and we did so much research on this girl she did the national anthem like two or three times before, most recently, like Memorial Day last year. And she clocked in at 93 seconds. So like 91 to 100 was like plus 7,000. We thought it was a lock. And then 
it was she was making good pace and she held the last note for 30 seconds just ruined the entire night i guess you listeners didn't know that hussein is such a gambling degenerate you learn something new every day it's honestly just really sad don't do it you lose a lot of money but going back into the podcast wow we got <laughs> we got we got pretty distracted so tell me what you think quickly. about mike white tell me what you think about mike white so uh, as as for me i i thought he played well given the fact that he was obviously the clear backup on the roster once the year started. But that high from the Cincinnati game, I don't think anyone will ever come close to that. Honestly, what was the last time we've experienced something like that before? When Tom Tupa came in as a punter and started back I, in I, like I, 2000 when we were, when we I was were a, what, three years old? I was a fetus. I can't process any of that. That was the year I think Vinny Testaverde got hurt and the Jets were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders that year. And that was that was the Parcells and uh, Belichick year. But that was probably the last time that they had some magic like this. And of course, like in in the early 2000s, it crashed and burned shortly after. And this year, it also crashed and burned shortly after the Cincinnati game. And that's exactly what happened because go ahead. I, I do wonder what happens with Mike White if he never got hurt against Indianapolis, though. Do you really think the nerve injury in his elbow really affected his play? Um, not like past that, not like beyond. Like it didn't affect him for the Buffalo game. But I'm saying like he was off to a hot start that game. Granted, he had, he kept he had some drop picks, but like what if he never left? You know, he made a really nice deep throw. He had a touchdown to Elijah Moore. What if he never left that game? I think you need to ask that to the football gods, to be honest, because we will never know. But also on on the flippity flop. Think about this for a second. What if those couple passes that could have been interceptions were interceptions? We'd still be here spending most of the podcast talking about Zach Wilson, which is what we're going to do anyways. So let me finish my final thoughts on Mike White. So I just want to have a quick, I have a quick stat that I want to throw out there. And it was the big reason why Mike White was so successful against the Bengals and the Bengals for their lack of desire to adjust in the second half. But I came across an advanced statistic that took me about two seconds to find. (laughs) So it's listed right on. I think it's pro football reference on their website for Mike White is passing yards and stats and whatnot. I want to turn everyone's attention to his intended air yards per pass attempt. His intended air yards pass per attempt includes any complete or incomplete pass. And it's just, it's pretty much his average depth of target on those throws. In the Cincinnati game, it was his lowest of the season. Do you want to take a guess at what his average depth of target was? I think it was like 3.2 or something. Close. 3.7. I knew I was close. And that was his best game of the year. And a lot of it was on the backs of Michael Carter and honestly, a lot of the receivers. Ty Johnson. I think Michael Carter had nine grabs for 95 yards that game. That alone right there should tell you enough what you need to know about how Mike White played that game. Well, I mean, to be fair. The Bengals never adjusted. If you're going to let him throw dump offs on your way to 400 yards, be my guest. Mike White for oh, absolutely. That game gets an A++. Absolutely. He, get, he gets nothing bad said from me. But I do want to point out that in his other games that he played this year, and that includes the Patriots, the Colts, even though it was a very short game for him against the Colts and the Bills, the rest of those games, he averaged 7.5 intended air yards per attempt. And you could tell his, his production dropped off. So. There's no question in my mind and there's no question in Hussein's mind that Mike White is a, is a backup and that's just what he is. 
I'm the biggest Mike White stand. I, I think you should get his jersey. I was I I'm not even kidding you. If they won that game, I told like I put enough money on that game where I told my friends if they beat the Colts that Thursday night, I was getting his jersey. Like it, it was done deal. I think you should make that bet again sometime in the near future if he's the backup quarterback next year. Because if he does play, I want to take that bet with you. <laughs> and then that way, that way you can post a picture of yourself in a Mike White jersey just for all for all the Revis and Butthead podcast fans to to, to enjoy. You're actually gonna find this hilarious. I left it at my house. I was a huge Tim Tebow fan growing up. I loved him. So naturally, I got his jersey when he got traded to the Jets. That game, I didn't bring my jersey to school. I left it at home. I was going to cover like the one in Tebow with tape and cover the word Tebow and write white on it. I think that would have been a great solution to that. You could have gotten yourself out of what? I think $100 for a jersey, a stitched jersey. It would have been perfect. I it would have been perfect. My, I left my Tebow jersey at home. I didn't bring it with me to school absolute tragedy that's a tragedy absolute right. tragedy such a rookie move but rookie at this mistakes. point in time we're going to casually slide right into the heart of this podcast the money maker the main event the big highlight the headliner shall i keep going are we talking about joe flacco the nucleus of this podcast oh, okay we're still going zach wilson hussein speak Speak. What if I had dog? Wow. <laughs> he just looks at me and goes, speak. All right. Zach Keep it simple. Kiss. Um, it's a tale of two halves. He was a different person with the football after he got hurt. Um, I don't know how much you want to attribute that to Joe Flacco being there as a veteran presence. I don't know how much of that you want to attribute to just him sitting out and watching and learning the offense. But there are some set adjustments people wanted to see Zach Wilson make after coming back from injury. That was get the ball out faster, turn the ball over less. And he did those things. He got the ball out quicker. He hit his first, he checked it down to the running backs. He didn't take shots. His interception numbers were honestly just pure ridiculous. He had two picks after coming back and he played, I think it was seven games. Two, two turnovers in seven games. We haven't seen that kind of protection from a Jets quarterback, period, let alone a rookie in a long time. He did really a really good job of taking the care of the football in the, in the second half of the season, which is such a stark difference from how he handled the ball in the first half. I mean, just the Patriots game alone. That was that was a dumpster fire, that game. That just he, he couldn't throw it to a green jersey player if his life depended on it. That game's wiped from my memory. Wiped. But... On Zach Wilson, I think a big part of that whole second half jump, and I will get into his first half, but I think the most impressive part of that second half jump is he did it against probably, in my, of my opinion, besides the Patriots, higher tier defenses. And he did it mostly without Elijah Moore and without Corey Davis. I don't think this his second half, besides the Philadelphia game, he really had Elijah Moore like as an option. He was just hurt. A lot of players at the end of that year in that second half where he started to play a lot better were, in fact, hurt. What I think you need, what I think you can hope to expect next year is that he combines that safe playing that he showed in the second half with the explosiveness and downfield ability he showed against Tennessee because you will hopefully have a full receiver room. A full receiver room that also hopefully stays healthy. And includes Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, and Garrett Wilson. Just a casual day for, for Joe Douglas in the front office, adding Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper. Uh, you threw Chris Godwin in there. I did. I did. Because why not? Why set the bar low? Just go, go for it all. 
But as for me, Zach Wilson, he characteristically had a roller coaster rookie season. And that's exactly what Robert Sala said in the beginning of the year of how the season was going to be for him. And he was right. It's on par with what I realistically expected, given given the state of the talent on this team. The first half of the season could could really be characterized by using the following descriptive buzzwords. And I don't know about you, but I love buzzwords. Slow processing, hero ball, out of structure, headless chicken, and short throw inaccuracy. And that, that also includes messy mechanics. Now, I do want to clarify the reason I described him as a headless chicken. I, was, I, wrote, I raised my hand to ask, what is, does a headless chicken mean? The reason I described him as that is, is due to the early poor performance of the offensive line and just the absolute complete and utter dumpster fire that, that was the offensive lineman that was blocking at right guard for the first half of the season. So he really had to run for his life. Yeah, I think it really got a big turnaround, A, when LDT got added, and B, when this offensive line got more time to work together and become a better unit. You could tell as the year went on that the chemistry really started to be there uh, in that front five uh, that's blocking for Zach Wilson. And honestly, just taking GVR out of that starting offensive line, even the first week that LDT was here, it was a pretty big improvement, specifically in the run game too. Passing game, it took a little bit to develop and as the year went on, but it did get there. But, now, I know this is not like an offensive line-centered review, but the offensive line obviously matters with Zach Wilson's play. And that leads me to bring up something that you actually retweeted from our Twitter account, Rebus underscore Budhead, about coming from PFF, um, sacks that are a quarterback responsibility versus the offensive line's kind of mistake versus, versus the quarterback's mistake. And it's talking about it over expectation. So like there's like a number that's set to like average or expected sacks given up by our offensive line and then average or expected sacks that are caused by a quarterback holding the ball in for too long. So the Jets offensive line was actually at zero sacks over expectation that Zach Wilson took this year. Zero. So the offensive line pass blocking was completely average. But Zach Wilson was the worst in the league, even worse than Joe Burrow, in sacks above expectation taken by a quarterback. That number is about 18. And that's just simply not good enough. And I mean, he is a rookie quarterback, so there are going to be some growing pains. And this is absolutely one of them. But as a quarterback, and he, he thankfully learned how to do this as the year went on, is that he started to really go through his progressions and he started to do it quicker and more efficiently. And that that led to a lot less sacks given up. And you could even tell as a casual fan watching the games that he, he wasn't on the ground as much as he was in the beginning of the year. You, you could even see in the first game in Carolina, the defensive line for Carolina, they were all over him. They were just swarming him like a, like a bunch of gnats on, on poop. So even his uh, undershirt was just ripped because uh, these defensive linemen were trying to reach out for him and just try and throw him to the ground. And, it's really hard to play quarterback when you have to deal with that. So I do give him somewhat a little bit of a pass, especially in that first game for how he performed and especially how he was able to come back and make it a game in the end. But as he played uh, more and more in the beginning of the season, we started to see some of those growing pains really become apparent in terms of taking sacks and just honestly holding onto the ball too long. And that kind of goes into one of the, the buzzwords I use and that he was trying to play hero ball too much hero ball and out of structure. Those were the two things and actually include three of my buzzwords, hero ball, out of structure and headless chicken. 
because oh, we're, we're back to the headless chicken. He, he would try to, to run around and create and try and get the big play when it really wasn't required of him to do so. And he was making his life a whole lot more difficult by doing that. And he was taking a lot more hits and he eventually got injured, unfortunately. And that's what happens when you try to run around and create. Yeah. And I definitely think we kind of saw that level of play. Like, obviously when you do stuff like that, you get the Tennessee game every once in a while, you get something explosive like that. But the second half of the season, we really saw that tone down and him play in structure, but also out of structure when necessary and not kind of going over the top, not just immediately bailing from the pocket. And we saw him produce at a more consistent result. Obviously his yards were down. You, you could say his touchdown passes were down. He had five touchdown passes since coming back from injury but he also had four rushing. So I count a rushing touchdown as good as a passing touchdown in my mind, six points for your quarterback to six points. And again, that was without Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. So I'm really excited to see what he does playing in structure and going off script when he needs to with a second season of development in this offense with a healthy and hopefully more full receiver room. And a healthy and full supporting cast of talent on offense for him to work with value receiver room tight ends running backs just a lot of players who can catch the ball and do something cool after the catch absolutely but we'll get there because skill positions will have its own episode offensive line will have its own episode and of course all the defensive positions will have their own episode but i i don't think we can really publish this podcast without bringing up the new england game i I thought we weren't mentioning it we have to And the only reason is because that game really honestly perfectly encapsulates the issues of how he was playing in the first half of the season, because one, he ran around trying to make the big play Two, he tried to push the ball down the field when it wasn't even there. Three, he wasn't even seeing the field, honestly, and he looked uncomfortable. You could tell he was uncomfortable. I haven't watched any of the all 22 film, but Games like that as a quarterback can't happen. And it's good that it happened for him early on and that obviously seeing how the rest of the season played out, that it didn't affect his, his, his head or his mental space because a lot of his issues this year were in his head. It was nothing, nothing physical, nothing uh, with regards to a weak arm or he didn't have enough arm talent to throw the ball and complete the pass, but he definitely grew after that game and honestly you got to start from the bottom sometimes you're saying and the new england game it's zach wilson's bottom honestly during that whole rant i was waiting for you to use the word headless chicken again <laughs> no i i i think what i i brought it up twice or three times i think that's enough there are times i do want to say about that new england game yeah it sucked yeah he sucked but let's not forget bill belichick has a history of doing that to rookie quarterbacks. Last year, Justin Herbert put up the greatest rookie season we've ever seen by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. And this was deep into the season in December. Um, the Patriots shut out the Chargers 45 to nothing. Herbert threw for 200 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. Obviously not as bad as Wilson's four interception game, but still not pretty. And that's, that's what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. I don't care. If you're Zach Wilson or if you're Justin Herbert, you if you're a rookie quarterback, more than likely to, you get beat down by Belichick, and it's a serious reflection thing after that. 
Right. And and you are right about that, Isan. And I, I do I do want to bring up that it's it's very unfortunate that we were robbed of the experience of seeing Zach Wilson go up against the Patriots again later in the year and play against them because he got hurt in that game, but he did look pretty good on that on that drive. Where he got he hurt to pretty play. early too, yeah. He actually so he started that game six to ten for fifty yards. Nothing too shabby, no turnovers, continuing on to that pass theme. But I also think you have to realize with New England, and we'll get to the skill positions later, is that their secondary in terms of pure talent is probably top five in football. And all they do is run cover one and cover zero. And I love Elijah Moore, but he was a second, he was in the second week at this point in the NFL. And I like Corey Davis. None of those guys at that point in the season are good enough to beat JC Jackson in single coverage or any of new England's secondary players. And that matters a lot in that sense too. Right. Like, cause obviously quarterback needs his receivers to get open. He needs his offensive line to block, but he also, he also needs to be kept to his responsibilities in terms of getting through the progressions and keying in on the right players and just reading the defense, how it should be. Now, obviously Bill Belichick defensive mastermind, it's going to be really hard to do that in what was it? His fourth start, third start, second start, first home game, second start of the year, second start of his career. So it's a lot. And as a rookie, he definitely looked like a rookie and an argument could be made that he even looked like a backup. But like you said, he's saying this is what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks, but he can't be unfortunately excused from this game because this was a, this game was an example of him throwing the game away and, surprisingly the jets were able to keep it a game for a lot of it but zach wilson just kept shooting the team in the foot and it was just too much and it he needs to shoulder that blame okay enough of talking about the negative let's get a little positive here um i would like to talk about a game that i thought personally was one of his best before it just got out of hand for them that was the philadelphia game um the only reason I think that game ended up in a loss as bad as it did on the scorebook is that the defense could not stop Gardner Minshew. That was the most frustrated I've been with the defense all year, honestly. But I think uh, that Philadelphia game, his first three drives were three touchdowns. He threw the – he ran one in that game. He had three total touchdowns. I think it was his, his only three – yeah, it was his only three-touchdown game of his entire career. He ran one in. He ran the RPO to Elijah Moore. And he had that little bootleg to Ryan Griffin. Remember, he caught a touchdown that game. He did. He was wide open too. And he had, and I, I gotta be honest that he, he did the worst celebration I've ever seen in my life. He looked like he was going to spike the football and he just kind of soft tossed it between his legs. It was quite, it's quite disgusting to watch actually. Yeah. I mean, he, um, so that was probably one of the games where I thought, wow, he looks really good. And I think if the defense could, could have gone even one stop, like Gardner Minshew scored every drive of the first half, we're we're talking about a different story because the Jets had three drives in the first half and they resulted in three touchdowns. And just after that, they just had trouble keeping up with Philadelphia, but that was a lot of fun. I think also the first game back from injury against Houston, he looked pretty good. They won that game. He threw a pick that game. He didn't have a passing touchdown, but if you remember, he ran that little bootleg to the left and threw to, I can't remember for, I think it was Ryan Griffin again wide open in the back corner of the end zone perfect ball just like slide and hug it me with my one leg right now could have caught that ball Beautiful <laughs> play and ryan griffin just dropped it he he just dropped it he just dropped it like it's hot 
I remember watching that play and I, I felt so upset because it was such a good play, such a good throw, such a good read. And it was on the move and yep. it was all there. It was all there for it to happen. And Ryan Griffin just slides in with, with the ultimate disappointment. It was truly heartbreaking. So he had a lot of lost touchdowns like that. So I don't really harp too much on that. Only, you know, five touchdown passes since returning from injury because he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of drops like that in the end zone. And I think, I don't remember exactly how many it was, but do you remember seeing that stat about Zach Wilson led the NFL on throws where his receiver caught the ball and got tackled within like the two yard line? I don't remember ever seeing that stat, but yeah. That, that I, I, thing. I feel like I fully believe that he would be near the top of the NFL because it did happen quite a few times. Yep. And it did happen in the Eagles game too. Crowder, I believe he had Crowder had some sort of swing pass or bubble route that he took and he got tackled right on the one yard line. I mean, I, 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 I'm pretty sure the Jets uh, ran a QB sneak to, to punch it in, but a lot of touchdowns that are taken away from just honestly being as little as 10 inches short Football really is a, a truly a game of inches now. So I actually I, found the stat. Um, it's through JetX. God bless their analytics because I'm a numbers guy. Um, Zach Wilson led the league. He had six passes that were halted inside the opponent's one-yard line. Just That's just things you hate to see. So if those six guys, you know, lower their shoulder even a little bit and get in, and instead of nine touchdowns, we're talking about 15 passing with four rushing, we're talking about Zach Wilson, I think, in a completely different light. I think so, too. I'd absolutely have to agree with that. Now, I do want to go on to at least what I thought of his second second half of the season. And just following in, in the pattern that I kind of laid for myself, that I, I kind of gave some buzzwords for uh, his first half. I think I should do the same for the second half now. Oh, more buzzwords. Are you going to use spring I'm, chicken again? Headless I'm chicken. A- it wasn't spring chicken. I'm a big buzzwords guy and I'm going to, I'm going to make you sit there and, and wonder for the next, I don't know, about 10 seconds to see if I'm going to have a, uh, another headless chicken themed buzzword, but just some quick thoughts on how his second half of the season went. His processing was a lot quicker. I went, I just wrote uh, better processing because it obviously wasn't excellent, but he was doing it a lot faster and it was, it was enough to get the job done. And Included with that, not only was he faster at processing the field, he was also accurate. And this goes into also that his mechanics and his footwork were a lot cleaner. And that could, that could really be attributed to them hiring, hiring his QB coach back. He really cleaned up a lot of Zach Wilson's mechanic issues from the first half. Which May I interject really quick? No. Because these aren't buzzwords. You're just saying whole sentences. You, you don't understand the point of buzzwords. Well, I'm, well, words. Well, I feel like this time I actually want to go through and explain why I've, I went through these buzzwords. There, there's more. I just I, w- I want to explain this time. OK, because I don't I don't think the first time I went through the buzzwords, I don't think exp- explanation was necessary. I think I think it was pretty straightforward. You went with headless chicken and you didn't think an explanation was necessary. I did explain it. Did I not? Yeah. Well, I asked, but. Well, you asked, but I was going to explain it. I just think you interject too much. This kid, this kid. These aren't buzzwords. These are buzz sentences. These are he, buzz paragraphs. He, he, he's a co-host and think, and think he knows it all, huh? Unreal. Buzz paragraphs. Anyway, back to my buzzwords and explanations. We're going to move on to that he looked composed and comfortable. 
And he just looked, he looked and moved like he knew what he was doing. Like there was, there wasn't a lot of wasted motion in his dropbacks. He even had some uh, anticipatory steps in his, in his dropback where he was able to able to angle out towards the sideline. If he was throwing an out route before he even was ready to even throw the ball. And that, that just speaks volumes to honestly, John Beck as his QB coach, because everything looks so much cleaner and it led to him looking so much better on the field. And he's saying, you talked about the Eagles game and the Houston game a little bit, but I'm going to go right into the Buccaneers game. Cause that was arguably, honestly, not even arguably that was his best game as a rookie. No, that absolutely was because we got to see him not only make such quick progressions and his footwork and mechanics were very smooth and clean. And there was no wasted motion, no hitches in his, in his, uh, in his throwing motion. He was also able to really attack the middle of the field. And he really didn't do a lot of that in the first half. And I don't know if it was just because he, he was shy about seeing the middle of the field and, and, or couldn't really see it open before the receivers actually get open in the middle of the field. But he struggled over the middle of the field in, in the early part of the year. And he threw a pick, he threw a pick right to the linebacker in week one against Carolina, but you saw in the Buccaneers game, he was throwing it over the middle of the field over outstretched arms of a linebacker jumping up. There was that one pass to, to Keelan Cole, who also got tackled within, I think the one or two yard line. Yeah, he did. Funny enough that you brought that stat up earlier, but you see he, it now it's like, it's an effect. It is an effect, but he was able to really attack the middle of the field and he was able to manipulate these linebackers with his eyes a lot better. And working in the middle of the field as a quarterback is, is probably one of the most difficult th- parts of the field to work because especially with a lot of teams that run zone, you really have to anticipate when and where you're, th- you're putting that ball so the receiver can catch it and move on the run. And that's not easy to do. And that's one of the hardest elements of the Kyle Shanahan offense is to throw that ball with anticipation, with accuracy, and not only with accuracy where they can just catch it, but accuracy where they can catch it on the move and turn up field and gain more yards after the catch. If he can really master that, that just brings him to a whole new level. But I need to see more consistency of him doing that because only one game and maybe a handful of moments in other games is just, it's not enough. And I, yeah. I need, I need to see more. And next year when he, when Joe Douglas has all those boatload of picks to use and the $38 million of dollars to use on free agents, there's going to be more talent on this team and he needs to respond accordingly. I did love that game. The best game I've seen, like you said, he just threw over the middle without fear. I did love what you said. No wasted motions in his throwing motion, no hitches. If it was a three-step drop, he dropped back three steps and threw a laser beam over the middle. Exactly like how it's supposed to be. I think my favorite throw from that game is one you didn't mention. The first touchdown pass to Braxton Berrios on, it was like the third and one. He just threw the quick out and put it in a perfect spot where Barriers could catch it and turn up field for a touchdown. He was just, that was the best he looked in the game, the most complete. You know, who again, he had one touchdown pass that game. Who cares if you have one touchdown pass if your offense puts up 24 total points because you put your offense in the position to score those 24 points and, you know, take the lead over the Bucks until the final minute of the game, going into a fourth down play. Stats don't really matter to me in that regard for all those stat counters out there. I really think that it's important for all of us fans to remember that the first year of a rookie quarterback, it is not the year to really be looking at stats. Justin Herbert 
he is such an outlier for rookie quarterbacks because we have been spoiled recently with how these quarterbacks have looked coming right into their first season. And that's just not the case for a lot of the other rookie quarterbacks that also end up turning out to be very successful quarterbacks. So Zach Wilson, he, he needs to just be more consistent with just showing that he can do everything that he did in the Buccaneers game. And honestly, a lot of what he did in the second half of the season after he came back from injury, just more consistently. And if you are talking about stat counting, if we're talking about, you know, Zach Wilson with those six passes that finish inside the one, if those go into score, you're looking at 15 passing touchdowns, four rushing, 19 total touchdowns in 12 complete games for the rookie against 11 picks. No one's complaining about his stats then if that's the case. Right, exactly. So I, I do want to mention to the, to the listeners out there that this theme that we, we are seeing un, unfold in front of our eyes or that we have seen unfold before our eyes this season is that we have seen our rookie quarterback come out at the end of the season, their rookie year, and look good. We've, saw, we've seen it was with Sam Darnold against the Texans, Packers, and, and others. We've seen it with Zach Wilson. We've also even seen it with Geno Smith with his perfect game in Miami. That was actually electric. That was electric. So we've seen all this before. This is nothing new to Jets fans. And I'm going to be as cautiously optimistic as I can be because this team, the number of wins and how this team looks next year is mostly dependent on Zach Wilson. So he is going to be the engine that drives the train or flies the plane in this case. With all that said, before we signal the end to this QB position review, we're going to give the QB room a final grade on how their play was collectively this season. Hussein, we shall start with you. What grade are you giving the Jets QB room? Um, I would like to give maybe like the overall room a grade of a B minus this year. That's obviously not including the A++ I gave Mike White against Cincinnati. But I, would have, I want to give it a B minus. This grade is mostly going to Zach Wilson. But it's the tale of two halves. If you're talking about the first half, he's probably getting like a C. You're talking the second half, he gets a B plus for me. Overall, I put that at a B minus. I also think we probably want to mention just a little bit of Joe Flacco's mentorship in the second half. I think that was very big for Zach Wilson. And he wasn't too shabby against Miami because he gave Elijah Moore a 65-yard touchdown and that started him in fantasy that week. So overall, quarterback room, B minus. All hail Joe Flacco. Wow, Hussein. Wow, wow, wow. Dropping a B bombshell, huh? A B minus bombshell, but yeah. A B minus bombshell. A B minus bombshell. B as in bombshell. Um, well, you heard it here. Hussein has very high thoughts in the QB room. Now, if, if I were to give the Jets QB room a grade, overall, I would have to have to give them a C minus. C minus Hussein. Okay. Is that not including Mike White against Cincinnati? That's overall, which is why I said overall. This podcast might be ending right here. I'm just going to give out the grades uh, and then I'm going to go into my explanations. Uh, Zach Wilson, the first half of the year, he gets a D minus. It was was a pretty bad half of football for him. Not a lot of good um, outside of a few flash throws that he made. Zach Wilson, the second half of the season, he gets a C plus from me. He did a lot of nice things in these games, 
uh, in the second half that we mentioned, the Eagles, Texans, Buccaneers. In a lot of these games, though, he just wasn't consistent enough with what he was showing. And for that reason, I only have to give him uh, the C-plus grade for for the second half of the season, which is... Very, very low compared to what Usain gave. But I, I don't think you're factoring in he didn't have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore when doing that. But I, I factored that in, trust me. And listen, every team has injuries. And, I, and yes, the starting lineup against the Bills that, that last game wasn't just an utter train wreck. But I, I, I've cut out the Bills game in the grading system because what is he supposed to do in that game? Throwing to Tariq Black and... God knows who else. I didn't even know who that was when he caught that ball. I didn't know who he was either. But again, C plus from for Zach Wilson in in the second half, D minus in the first half. I will actually say the most interesting part about your D minus from the first half is including the Carolina game and including the Tennessee game. It is. But outside of those plays that he made in the Carolina and Tennessee game, it was too much inconsistency. They were just the, the Tennessee game, when it really boils down to it, was really three plays that made it a oh, game? It was more than that. It three was plays? The touchdown to Corey Davis, the deep ball to Keelan Cole, the drop snap to Crowder, the, the throw in overtime to Keelan Cole. He had a much better game than just three plays. It's just not consistent enough. And listen, rookie quarterbacks, it's going to be bad in the rookie season. And look, I didn't, I didn't give him a rookie QB curve scale. I'm just going based purely off QB performance and it wasn't good. None of the Jets QBs this year had anywhere near an NFL QB average for any of their statistics or their performance or their QB rating. None of it was average at all, even close. So if you really look at the rankings, Zach Wilson consistently was at the bottom of the league. So I, I can't give him a better than C grade regardless. And and that's that's really my main reasoning on as as sad it is to say. So if if I'm saying this the same grading system for next year, we're we might be in a little bit of trouble. But no, if if I'm not gonna give him the rookie curve again, I did give him a rookie curve. He's not getting that next year. You're right. Oh, if I don't talking about I don't give rookie curves at all. For, if we're talking about the same numbers next year, yeah, we have a problem. Cause I mean, if if this if this season right here was what he was doing in the fourth season, he is going to definitely get a much tougher grading scale for me because my lowest grading scale is not rookie quarterback. It's just average quarterback play. And then I go from there because at at least when I want to look at Zach Wilson and how he did his rookie year, I want to compare him to how the league average is. I think that's a, that's an okay comparison to make because you don't, you don't want to compare them obviously, obviously to the NFL's elite. You don't want to compare them to the NFL's bottom feeders either. So average is where it's at. So you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen, that will now mark the end to not only the fourth episode of the Rebus and Butthead podcast, but it will also mark the end to the first episode in the position review mini series. We are very excited for this mini series and we will be uploading episodes to this mini series more frequently than just once a week, just to make sure we finish it before the start of free agency. So on that note, feel free to like, comment, and follow our Twitter page at Revis underscore Butthead. And keep your eyes peeled for any upcoming episodes. Peace out, you Jets nerds.
And let us know in the comments who do you agree with, me or Joe? A.K.A. Joe, who is also Revis, or Hussein, who is also the butthead? I guarantee you when people listen to this, they're going to be calling you the butthead. I guess we'll find out. Only one way to find out. Comment. Comment, people.